welcome once again to the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi. Well, today, Karen, um, we have a, a, I think, you know, usually we do several topics on our podcast, um, but we're just going to be talking specifically about uh, the mass shootings that happened in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. Um, yeah, that was August uh, 3rd and 4th, uh, 2019. Um, and um, within these topics, we're going to be first discussing the facts uh, from El Paso. Then we're going to talk about the facts from Dayton, what exactly happened in these two um, horrific incidents. Um, and then we're going to be talking about uh, weapons designed to kill and uh, what's out there, what they used. Um, and you know what else people have access to. Um, we're going to move then to uh, the fact that Congress is potentially going to come back in session. At least a lot of people have called for it. it doesn't seem like there's much movement now. Um, and uh, then finally, or then our last two topics is going to really delve into whether Trump, uh, you know, I guess we should say President Donald Trump, um, is culpable for some of these attacks. Um, and then discuss how. Um, a lot of his supporters are uh, saying he's not responsible at all, placing the blame in other places and, and really trying to spin the whole thing. Um, so let's get started again, Karen, as we always do with both feet jumping in to um, what happened in El Paso. So I'll let you kind of take the details from here. Well, this was Saturday afternoon. Um, it was first reported. A morning, that right? That was had... like about 10, uh, 1030. Uh... A little before 11, right? Yes. I, thank you for correcting that. It, it just seemed like it was a little later in the day when I learned about it. So sure. that shows, and my apologies to everyone, that I was a little bit behind the curves here. Uh, uh, hey, you're enjoying your Saturday. Who can be blamed for that, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so at that time, there was reports of a shooting at this Walmart uh, near a shopping mall in El Paso, which is a, you know, huge metropolitan city in southwest Texas. It's right on the border with Ciudad Juarez, and probably a lot of our listeners, who, if they're in Arizona, are, are familiar with that area. It also is uh, right over the border with uh, the city of Las Cruces, New Mexico. It's known as the border actually, and, you know, these cities have a very close relationship with one another. For, yeah. You know, I should mention that, but by the time the uh, shooting was over, uh, the suspect Patrick Wood, who uh, Crucius, who's 21 years old from Dallas, he is not a, an El Paso resident, um, has, is accused of killing um, now 22 people. Uh, another person died this morning. Uh, 24 were injured. Um, this is in a city for all of its somewhat unfair reputation, I think, that El Paso gets sometimes. And I can say that having lived near it for several years when I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico, there were only 23 homicides there in all of last year. Um, that's, you know, one murder is too much, but 23 is all in all not, not bad for a city of that size. And, you know, Patricius is in custody now. Apparently he does have a, a social media history, which includes racist comments. Uh, he had a photo. This has been, I believe, verified of guns, possibly his, or maybe not, spelling out the word Trump. Take that for whatever you want. So, and I guess the uh, the authorities are now calling already for the death penalty for him. We don't know how this 
whole case is going to go, obviously. He hasn't, yeah, to my knowledge, John, he hasn't even been arraigned yet. But, you know, the victims, I think, range in age from small children to, uh, I believe, a person in his or her 80s. There was a mother who was shielding her baby who died. Um, that's just one heartbreaking example of this. You know, John, I, I have to say, again, as somebody who lived near El Paso and visited there on a regular basis, in fact, I went shopping in that area more than once. I went down to El Paso for various assignments. Um, I have a very fond memory uh, some years ago of going with uh, my then news editor and his wife down to the El Paso Convention Center to see the late Margaret Thatcher, the former prime minister of the UK, speak. And I got to cover it. Um, I was just, like, psyched about that whole assignment. Uh, and, and just, I, I always had a good time going there. I never felt unsafe. People always very nice and friendly. Just an incredibly interesting, vibrant town with this you know, great multicultural uh, aspect and history to it. Being, of course, on the border with Mexico and, you know, being close to New Mexico and then never, you know, Texas. This incredibly rich, diverse state, as we know. So, just for me, on a personal level, you know, no, I'm not from El Paso. Can't say that I spent every day of my life there, but this was like the shooting in Vegas or the one near where I live just in April. A, a real punch to the gut. In uh, Poway, um, Southern California, right? Yes. And I just can't even imagine right now. I can't, you know, you can't imagine, of course, what the family members of the victims, all of them, the ones sadly no longer with us and the ones who are fighting for their lives in the hospital right now, uh-huh. hopefully all of them recover. Um, you can't even imagine what they're going through. Certainly what city leaders are going through, or the police department, the first responders, all of whom, you know, I think have handled this very well under just terrible circumstances. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's now violence coming yet again to another city, uh, another situation. We're going to talk about the other one where people are just going about their business, living their lives, looking forward to their weekend, enjoying shopping, and they're gone. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, my two cents is, um, you know, I know El Paso, uh, you know, relatively well, at least I did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, had some personal relationships uh, there. Um, anyone I've ever known from El Paso um, happened to be uh, Mexican-Americans. Um, and, and I definitely knew some Mexicans in Juarez. And, um, you know, really family-oriented, dedicated people. I mean, it's, it's uh, some of the nicest people I have actually ever met in Phoenix, we're from El Paso, um, you know, for what that's worth. And, um, you know, it, uh, you know, I, you know, that port of entry, I spent a lot of time waiting in line, um, going back and forth, um, you know, again, 30 something years ago, um, you know, with a job that I had, I, I, I got to know some folks in El Paso where they ran a magazine when I worked at Gannett. Um, uh, so, you know, I think I took three trips to El Paso, um, uh, 2004 to 2006 somewhere um 
and you know, uh, again, one of those towns. Um, it's just you know a small. It's kind of a big town that feels small. And you would go across the border, and Juarez is really the the bigger of the two cities. Um, you know, old yeah. architecture, really kind of a cool place. But that you know that 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 uh, port of entry is so busy because you know so many people. It's it's just kind of like an invisible barrier. Um, and I don't mean that is that they cross all the time, but most of them have cards. Everybody does. You just wait in line in your car. Um, it's one of those things. Um, you know, it's just it's just part of living there is that everyone, you know, goes across the border, um, you know, at least once a week. Um, it it kind of seems like it's, it's you know, because those two cities live off each other. And, uh, you know, to see that kind of stuff and sort of, you know, for that guy to target there, I think, you know, was, you know, and we'll get into, uh, you know, the political or the, maybe the inspirations for all this later. But, um, you know, to have a city like that and, um, you know, those kind of models, I think, for for Americans that we want, um, you know, at least, you know, those folks that I've met, um, are really there. So anyway, um, I don't want to spend too much time on my personal stuff. Um, but if we're ready, I can, I can kind of give a rundown on what happened in Dayton. Yes. So in, uh, Dayton, Ohio, um, with the, the, uh, perpetrator here was 24 year old Connor Betts. Um, wearing a mask mm-hmm. and a bulletproof vest. Um, he went into the Oregon district in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I guess it was really near the Ned Pepper's bar for those of, 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 of our listeners who might know where uh, that is in Dayton um, and the historic Oregon district. But obviously I assume it's, it's just like anything we all have in any of our towns. Um, these areas where people go to, to have fun on a Saturday night. Um, and in less than 60 seconds, he killed nine people and injured 32. Um, again, um, he actually killed his sister. Um, unlike yeah. the, um, you know, what happened in El Paso and I, you know, I, you know, one of the things we hadn't mentioned yet was that there was a manifesto released about 30 to 45 minutes before, uh, Crucius went into that Walmart in El Paso and started shooting up where he was railing against the invasion, the Hispanic invasion, which he called. Um, so, uh, but this guy didn't have any of that. Um, <laughs> ended up killing his sister, which we don't, you know, no one supposedly knows right now whether that's uh, on purpose or not, or whether it just, you know, so happened that he did that. Um, you know, but, you know, it was less than 24 hours, you know, somewhere 16 hours away, you know, after El Paso, um, you know, the uh, law enforcement was able to get there, um, you know, within 20 seconds, 30 seconds, which, you know, you you figure if it's like those areas in, in, in Phoenix, there's always police in those kind of district areas. So, you know, you're glad that you, know, you realize why they, you know, sit out there all night um, is just in case one of these things might happen. Um, but, uh, the nine people were, uh, I'm going to read their names, Monica Brickhouse, 39, Nicholas C-U-M-E-R, however you pronounce that, 25, Derek Fudge, 57, Thomas McNichols, 25, Lois Oglesby, 27, Saheed Saleh, 38, Logan Turner, 30, and Beatrice Warren Curtis, 36, as lo- as well as, as we mentioned, Megan Betts, 22, his, his sister, um, Six police officers engaged him and had him down 
um, within 30 seconds, as we mentioned, but he was killed. Um, he had a .223 caliber rifle. Uh, I don't have right. any connection to uh, Dayton, Ohio, but again, you got to feel it's just like any other community around the country um, where any you know this can happen at any point in time. Um, we had talked about Aurora, uh, about some of the others, and and you know without hearing any other evidence right now, it seems more like like one of those other mass shootings. Um, it seems like there's almost you know kind of two categories for these: these that are driven by white supremacy or hatred or you know you know whatever whatever race anyone is purporting to espouse, and then just you know uh, you know people that, that just want to go out and kill others. Um, you know, some of these don't fall into easy baskets, and, and, and who knows what will happen with Dayton. But it, it seems pretty clear from that early evidence and from Cruzius's manifesto, uh, for lack of a better word, or, you know, uh, crazy rantings, I guess, can be another word or no, uh, another term to describe it. Um, you know, but there isn't that uh, really going on in the Dayton case as of this time. Um, but that's what happened in these two uh, incidents. Um, over 30 dead. Um in one weekend um, and in two separate incidents. And I should mention, I, I didn't before, of course, the uh, suspect in the El Paso uh, mass shooting also used an automatic weapon, which he, you know, how he obtained it, I'm not, I don't know if there's been any, you know, clerk, you know, confirmed info on that. But obviously he drove eight, nine hours down from Dallas, fully prepared to do this. Uh, so it just yeah, take that for whatever it's worth. Mm. So there's um, been discussion on what's going on. Let's talk about the weapons. I think that these two guys used. Um, it appears from what Dayton police are saying um, that um, it was a handgun um, modified to act as a rifle, um, and wow. he had an extended uh, capacity drum magazine was capable of holding up to 100 rounds. Um, uh, the um, uh, Dayton Police Chief Richard Beale told uh, the Dayton Daily News uh, Monday, um, and he, he was quoted by them as saying, quote, to have that level of weaponry in a civilian environment unregulated, it is problematic. Um, officers counted yeah, 41 mean, spent yeah, shell casings. Uh, yeah, the last little bit I was going to say, he had... Uh, they counted 41 spent shell casings in those 30 seconds. Uh, from uh, So he was obviously um, using um, and close to getting all 100 rounds out. Um, I don't right. know. I don't know if you got anything else here if you want, or you want to talk about El Paso. No, I, again, I, I mean, we've, we've, I think we've verbalized this before with these, this kind of tragedy. I believe just last week, when we were talking about Gilroy, California, and Chicago, and Philadelphia, um, when we talked about mass shootings in Poway, uh, in Parkland, <laughs> um, you know, just your, really, it's hard for a person to accept that is this, you know, this is becoming the new normal because, as I said before, this should not be happening. People should be able to go to a public place or to go anywhere, you know, in a free society, in peace, and with the knowledge they're not 
they are not at risk of being shot uh, by someone. And there are no guarantees in life. And, you know, life is not without its daily risks, as we know. What's the cliche? You can walk out in the street and be hit by a bus. That, that happens. But the last time I checked, normally bus drivers are not, you know, driving around with the intent to run over somebody right. any more than a train conductor is or someone flying a plane. Right. You know, these terrible things happen through mechanical failure or sometimes human error. But it is not the intent of the, the operator for a violent act to occur. Uh, so I, I, it's just, again, it, it's, yeah, and I, I, I sound pretty bad. I just, it's, you're at a loss for words because it just, it violates, it just violates your sense of, just your sense of living, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, the, the, the one bit I think we were able to get from the weapon of the, of the El Paso shooter was that it was um, an AK-47 like weapon is what is being reported, um, which is basically means it's probably wasn't you know an official AK, um, but it, it, it probably uh, operated as such. He had earmuffs on. Um, obviously, he was going in. Um, you know, you wonder why exactly he was wearing earmuffs or uh, you know, I guess you know. Yeah, uh, I wonder noise suppressor um obviously um they weren't that they, they weren't for the temperature um but uh you know what he'd be you know worried about uh uh worried about his hearing i guess you know it's just kind of odd um you know but he walked around um you know with this rifle um and he had extra magazines that i guess he didn't get to um but uh he eventually was taken when police showed up he just gave up um kind of a, a strange situation, especially even his manifesto said he wasn't going to be taken. Uh, maybe he thought he'd get yeah. away. Um, who knows? Um, I guess, um, you know, you know, Karen, do you have anything else that you want to talk about um, on, 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 on his weapons or, um, you know, I guess, you know, I, you know, we can talk about, you know, Congress coming back in session. It kind of leads to our next topic and we can kind of get into regulation well, at that point. Okay possible I, I mean the only thing i'll mention is that in 1994 then president clinton and a mostly democratic congress passed an assault weapons ban was it perfect did it solve or end these types of crimes no but it did cut down on the number of these shootings and then in 2004 when george w bush was president and had a mostly republican congress that sunset it I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen a rise in these type of mass shootings. Quite simply, these weapons are too easy to get, and they're weapons of war. Now, the, the, the Dayton uh, suspect, he modified his, that's another matter, but obviously the El Paso suspect bought this weapon and was able to use it. And again, we have, we have 10... You know, we have uh, 10 strong uh, rights in, in, out there. One of them is the second, and that is the right to own a firearm. And I have said this many times. I have no problem with a law-abiding, responsible gun owner having a handgun in his or her home, perhaps for protection, or a, has a hunting rifle. 
I know people who hunt legitimate game animals for food. It just, but it, I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to understand. Unless you are, if if you're in the military, why somebody needs an AK-47? You sure as hell can't shoot a deer with it. You rip that to bits. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just it's a it's a rhetorical question I ask. Why would somebody need weapons like that? I, I you know, and I know there are people who have blocks. Sometimes they use them just for target practice, and they. They are not out committing crimes, but somewhere, somehow, there's got to be some medium found here in terms of who is getting these weapons and how it is so damn easy to do. Yeah, um, I agree with you. You know, I've said before on this podcast that, you know, crazy people are crazy people. And if they, you know, as we know, before there was these weapons that were available, um, you know, there was a lot of bombings that would go on um, at different times in our history and whether people would do it again. However, um, yeah. you know, all that being said, um, there's no real uh, reason. Uh, you know, if you want to, through my head, um, this whole weekend I've had uh, Led Zepp, I mean, Leonard Skinner's, um, uh, the, you know, the Smell, you know, that song. Um the, the, that guns are really only used for killing people anyway. And, um, you know, some of them that are used for that and high-capacity clips, I know that they're fun for some people, and some people will just make them on their own. Um, but as you mentioned, there wasn't a real problem um, when they were banned for that period of time in the late 90s, early 2000s. And the last thing I want to say on it is, for those folks that say, well, you know, I know what happens when government takes your gun away. Um, if you think that just an AK-47 is going to keep the Army from storming your street, um, you got uh, another thing coming because they got more and bigger than you'll ever have. Um, so if you're, if you're just trying to compete against a hypothetical government intrusion taking over your world and becoming a military state, um, the chances of that, number one, are rare or are, are, are very high. And even if they do, they can do it anyway and you'll be a guerrilla outfit. So, um, you know, those weapons aren't going to help you all very much. And um, if you end up fighting, then you'll have to take some of them away from them. So um, I don't I don't think we need to hear that anymore. I heard that on Twitter immediately. Um and um, I just wanted to, to, to dispel that the best I could um, for anybody who might be listening to it. Um, so, you know, if we have smaller things and things we want to do for target practice and, you know, uh, you want to go hunting and you have a bolt-action rifle, um, even, you know, semi-automatics are, 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 are generally okay. Um, you know, but these people are going to be able to access something if they want to do things. And, you know, we can talk about the, the you know, the real motivations or really what drives people to go from A to B and, you know, us figuring out what can happen, um, but is, is, is crucial, but, you know, just yeah. outwardly and, and, and openly just dismissing any sort of regulation that makes it diff- more difficult for people to get these, especially high capacity, um, high volume as, as anybody who knows, you know, most people in Arizona know because there's really this good culture here. You hear about if you buy an AR-15 or an AK, how easy it is to make it fully automatic. It's not very difficult. 
And, you know, it's kind of an open secret on how you can do those things. And, you know, right. we make it harder um, for those things to happen. I think it, it just, it you know, if he couldn't get off 44 shots, um, if he only got off 10 in those 30 seconds or 20, um, you know, less people are dead. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's just, you know, the facts of it. Um, and it doesn't really, you know, unless you're being, again, stormed by the military or the police, which we have to just kind of depend on them to being, um, you know, righteous and forthright in what they're doing and not just saying, well, I need my AK in case the government goes crazy. Um, you know, there's that's, you know, really the only justification I hear from people because everyone knows you can't say that you're hunting for a deer with an AR-15. Um, so, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, it doesn't leave enough meat. You know, you want something anyway. Uh, besides an AR-15, those are made to make big holes in people. Um, and so are a, uh, AK-47s. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you don't really want to kill big game with that anyway. Uh, no. Anything else? Or we want to talk about this uh, potential uh, session? Because I think this is going to be as, as quick as the last one was. I think, you know, Congress coming back in session. Yeah. We know what's really going to happen here. But uh, are you ready to move on or you want to talk about weapons? Yes, and, yes. Um, yeah, you know, it does seem, don't you think, um, you know, Mitch McConnell breaking his shoulder, on, you know, and I wish him a speedy recovery because how else can he block things without lifting his, his arm? Um oh. But um, he would never bring it anyway. Um, every Republican, it seems like, beyond some of these that we'll talk about a little bit later, any Republican on the national stage is, is running um, from, from, from going on TV or doing anything at this point. Um, so it seems to me like there's no hope that uh, Congress is going to come back into session in, in, in August, at least to, to take on this topic. Do you see anything else, you know, happening? I mean, it's a different idea than whether they should, which, you know, if I was the, uh, if, if I was running things in Congress, there would be, but obviously I'm not. And it's Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. And I think Pelosi isn't going to call everybody back unless McConnell does. And there's no way McConnell's going to. Um, so I don't know. What do you see happening there? Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. About McConnell doing the right thing. Look, just to remind people, his wife works in Trump's cabinet. Okay, Elaine Chow is allegedly the transportation secretary, although I, I don't think she's done anything of any use since taking that role. So, you know, it, it makes the relationship between Trump and McConnell even more, you know, suspect, shall we say. And we shall. frankly, uh, um, <laughs> You know, Trump could call McConnell and order him to do it or, or really press on him to, which I don't think Trump has done. Uh, you know, and, and McConnell, who is deep in the pocket of the NRA, you know, he's not going to do, he's not going to go out of his way. Now, supposedly he released a statement today, I shouldn't say supposedly he did, saying that, uh, you know, he's willing to work uh, with Democrats and to do everything they can, except he bought, and, you know, he gives no date for that. It's not like he's saying, I want to get back in session on, say, Friday. And, I, you know, if the Democrats in the House, if, if Pelosi can get them back, have passed some legislation, then we're going to debate it. It either passes or it doesn't. And given, you know, the way the Senate's made up, although I do think there are several GOP senators, especially Susan Collins, Cory Gardner, and possibly Tom Tillis, 
of North Carolina who might be pretty worried about their seats. And believe it or not, I might even add John Cornyn to that, speaking of Texas, because his position right now is not that great in, in terms of how his, his own residents are viewing him for whatever that's worth. Um, but they, you know, you, they might get more Republican support. But, you know, I, McConnell's just not going to do anything. He does not care. And, I, you know, yeah, he's got a broken shoulder. Um, obviously, he's got to deal with that. But I, I'm just, you know, I don't see him doing anything, maybe unless Trump called him up and really, you know, threatened him. Or, you know, or, or something to that effect. And, and, you know, frankly, from what we've read, those two don't really have a good relationship anyway. It, it's simply a transactional matter. It's, it's why I suspect Trump even has McConnell's wife on his, in, you know, in his cabinet to begin with, just to make sure McConnell stays loyal. I mean, that's where we are right now with yeah. our with our government. Yeah. Uh, two branches of it anyway. Right. Obviously, with the House in opposite hands, you know, Trump doesn't have a whole lot of sway there anymore. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think Pelosi would be willing to do it. I, I just don't think McConnell, who gives two hoots in hell about much of anything other than, you know, keeping his power and, and enriching his state, including having a, a Russian oligarch, you know, fund a $200 million aluminum plant or right. whatever that's supposed to open up there within the next year or two. Right, right. Um, so, you know, that's my theory. I, and I hate to be that cynical about I, you it. Know, because I, I don't think you're being cynical. I'm optimistic as best I can, but. You know, I wouldn't call it being cynical. I would call it, you know, just kind of being real and pragmatic to what's really going to happen. Um, you know, because I, you know, completely agree with you. There's no way they're going to do anything now. You don't know really what the timeline is going to be. Um, you know, we can really talk about what the ultimate ramifications of all this is going to be. But, um, you know, it, it does seem like something's different this time or, you know, because of, you know, what happened, um, you know, with Sandy Hook and how that failed um it really seems like there's going to be more pressure where it changes the whole political dynamic to this and many other things that you know we almost live in a whole new world after saturday um and for as sad as it 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 was hopefully it really ends up working out for the better um and, you know, I just see something being different. Um, and I don't know when it's going to happen. It might be, uh, you know, January, February of uh, 2021. But um, something's going to happen. I wouldn't disagree with you on that. For example, in, in Dayton, Ohio, when Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, a Republican who's been around for a long time, uh, and it tends to be a, a Trump enabler, by and large, as does Senator Rob Portman and way too many GOP House members there. You know, when he was speaking at, a, at I, I guess, some type of vigil, people started shouting, do something yeah. to him. And this is a state we should, you know, remind people, Trump won by about eight points. And, and frankly, I think, although I think the GOP is going to have a rough year in 2020, I, I think, you know, that the Republican, you know, takeover of that state is is pretty thorough. Sharon Brown's uh, re-election notwithstanding, um, unless turnout is really through the roof, but just with gerrymandering and some other issues there, 
that's going to be a harder state for Democrats to gain a lot of footing in right now. But nevertheless, you have people there so frustrated and angry that they're imploring a governor who got elected by a pretty good margin to get off his butt and actually, you know, pass some legislation that's going to either restrict access or have what's called red flag warnings or something to, to limit or at least minimize these types of events from happening. And it should be noted, it's something we haven't mentioned, when polls come out overwhelmingly, both Democrats and Republicans, they support background checks. Right. They support limiting access to, for example, of mentally ill people to access guns. These are common sense things, which, you know, Donald Trump doesn't care about. In fact, he overturned a rule, an executive, I believe it was an executive order or from President Obama to stop the mentally ill from getting guns. Mm-hmm. And, and I suspect he did it only because it was something that happened during Barack Obama's tenure, which just shows again how juvenile and petty Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree with you that there's definitely, and we saw that last year with the March for Our Lives after Parkland, just millions of people out on the street demanding reform in our gun laws. And I, I think to a lesser degree, part of the the blue wave of 2018 was connected to that. So there's no doubt that the public wants to see changes here. This is a political problem, and I, I hate to sound like a broken record here, but this is a problem mainly caused by the Republican Party. I take no pleasure in saying that. But that's just where we are. Yeah, and it, you you had mentioned um, that you know somebody had said you know then do something, um, you know, and it was very interesting. I was reading a Washington Post story yesterday, and all of a sudden at the end of it, they mentioned, and I wasn't at the Arizona Diamondbacks game on Saturday night, but they reported mm-hmm. that uh, when they did a moment of silence here in Phoenix. Um, that somebody screamed that out um, at the baseball game, and then there was a smattering of cheers and applause to that statement. Um, and so I wonder how often it's happened in other places around the country that it, it really hasn't been reported on or, um, I don't know, collected generally. Um, but it does seem like, you know, those few things um, really seem like um, it's different you know, for lack of a more, you know, uh, detailed yeah. description on how it is. But it, it, it's it, these examples, I think, uh, having people scream out during moments of silence, um, which you've just never seen before. So. Well, there's no doubt. I believe that the, you know, uh, the public is very frustrated right now uh, with you know, some of the leadership in Congress. And, it's, yeah, well, we don't have any leadership in the White House, but. Well, so there, I, I do think this is, you know, a sea change is coming from this, but we just, we ha- obviously we're not there yet. Well, you know, there's been some discussion immediately soon as um, uh, the, you know, Cruzius's um, manifesto or, you know, ra- mad rantings hit um, and they, and they knew that within an hour or two after, after the attack. Um, it became pretty clear that there was going to be some sort of uh, tie to um, uh, our president's culpability for some of these t- attacks, whether he um, inspired them, gave them light, gave them water, gave them 
support um, within their own minds to do these sorts of things. Um, he specifically mentioned within it that, you know, don't blame Trump. I was thinking this stuff before. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, where, where, you know, we're able to determine that, you know, what he's saying there, whether that's true or not, whether that means anything because of what else has gone on. Um, I think the biggest thing that really, you know, tied it directly um, was that um, um, event that he had in Panama City, Florida, uh, in May, where um, somebody said shoot him, and he just said only in the Panhandle. Um, you know, it's been just a lot of beating up, um, talking about the invasion, talking about how these people don't meet our values. And again, like I'll say, I'll say again, like I said in the beginning, um, the you know the people from El Paso that I've met are the very definition of what we want in American families usually to be, a lot stronger Absolutely. families than some people I've met in other places. Um, yeah, really people dedic- in Ohio as well. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, you know, and that's, I guess, you know, we're, I, you know, the the topic that I threw up there was, you know, is Trump culpable for some of these attacks? And again, we don't really know. Um, and, you know, we don't know really what motivated the, you know, the gentleman in Ohio. It could be um, these sorts of things. It could not, um, you know, and, 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 I, and I don't think every, every, um, one of these events can be tied directly to Trump. Um, but there are some that, that really seem like he's culpable and where in my judgment, where I try to give somebody, you know, the, the, you know, the benefit of the doubt for, you know, running and, and having to say what he says and, and feeling and having a policy position, but it's really those that he talks about races that are different, Muslims, um, African-Americans, Mexican-Americans, <laughs> Um, when those folks are targeted and or, um, you know, know, either either by these crazies or by the president, they end up becoming tied, whether you know it or not. And uh, and they should be. Um, And I don't think you can you can give a pass at that point um, to someone who has basically been preaching how that's what's wrong with the country. And that's why we got to make America great again. Back when we were white, it's just really the kind of underlying feeling which he could he could kind of doubt that and 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 put slander on that early um i don't think there's a way to do that anymore you know he could say well no it's about getting our economic power back but really what it resonates amongst his base is that it will be like it was in the 50s again where you know we could tell women to stay home we could tell black people to not vote and the, all the Mexicans would either stay on their side of town or go back to Mexico. Um, and we didn't have any Muslims here. Um, you know, that's what I think resonates with his base, whether whether anybody will be willing to admit it or not within his circle. Um, and and because I think they know that. And, and, you know, that's been kind of sneaked out before. I think Bannon's kind of alluded to that and, and, and others have, too. But nobody who stays in there, nobody's in there now, and, and, and definitely not Donald Trump himself. And that's what people were expecting to hear from him this morning. And, and he just blamed, you know, white nationalism and, and white supremacy, um, which was enough of a political gamble for him. And I'd like to talk about that later. But, you know, to give you the floor, um, that's what it really seems like, why he's <laughs> culpable. And, 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 and obviously, I, I, I can't say that he is for every... Every mass shooting, you know, I saw, you know, Republican talking heads saying, well, these started in 1966 and, 
yeah, well, you know, we're talking about this stuff that's happening now, some of these events which are going on. Maybe, you know, it wouldn't be happening if he wasn't encouraging certain things. And we know that 1966 was a different era. Um, you know, it was also a single bolt action from a from a tall tower. Um, it was a different kind of situation. Yeah. Um, you know, what happened in 66, it's apples and oranges to what's going on now. But that culpability is there in some of these attacks, and it's undoubtable um, because of the rhetoric that he's created and what these folks have, have gone on to repeat. Right. You know, I'm going to quote Ben Rhodes, who was in the Obama administration, and I believe national, he was an advisor to the president on international affairs. And this is actually an older, it's from Twitter, <laughs> uh, actually posted in July. But I think it's, it's relevant to what's going on right now. This is what Rhodes wrote. Trump launched his political brand eight years ago, saying the first African-American president was born in Africa. It has always been about racism. And the fact that this has ever been a controversial thing to say is part of the problem. That, in a nutshell, describes Trump's you know, reason for running his entire campaign and how he built it up back in, like, 2011, 2012. I mean, because before this, this was a guy who just had a stupid reality show that I didn't watch uh, because I was never a fan of Donald Trump. I didn't think about him, and I didn't care about him. But out of nowhere, he starts attacking President Obama, and I'm just thinking, why are you doing this? Are you in public office? Are you somebody anyone consults for policy advice? No. But... This is what started. And, of course, as we know, Obama made a fool out of him during the White House Correspondents' Dinner in 2011, the same weekend that the president was giving orders for bin Laden to be killed. Think about that for a moment. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I listened to some of Donald Trump's speech today, and it was the same flat delivery. Oh, and because he didn't poop his pants or, or make any of the stupid ad libs, you know, this was more reasonable. This set a different tone. Bullshit. Somebody else wrote that for him. He doesn't need a word of it. And rest assured, in another day or two, he's going to do another Twitter rage storm about whatever thing pisses him off. Well, it, you know, it rings I, hollow, I, I just, as you mentioned. It rings hollow with all the other things that he's said in the past. Like, absolutely. you know, I can't go running around saying, you know, um, I hate dogs, I hate dogs, I hate dogs, I hate dogs. And all of a sudden, one day I get a dog. Everybody be like, what is wrong with you? You know, and... and, and um, I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of what you know the the way you see it. He's he's been he's been baiting um, um, minorities and and you know Mexican Americans, African Americans forever, and now today he says there's no place for white supremacy when he's been encouraging it. And I'll give you the floor again here, but I I, I, I you know you had a quote. I want to have one that was um, again on Twitter, but again it was it's it's the it's the press release medium of the day. Um, but there was a Nebraska state senator named uh, McAllister. Um, unfortunately, I don't mm-hmm. really have his first name here. Um, but he said, the Republican Party is enabling white supremacy in our country. As a lifelong Republican, it pains me to say this, but it's the truth. And then he says, I, of course, am not suggesting that all Republicans are white supremacists, nor am I saying that the average Republican is even racist. And then he followed with, what I am saying, though is that the Republican Party is complicit to obvious racist and immoral activity inside our party. 
um, you know, I can't say it any better than that, um, how the culpability is there. And when we say that the Republican Party is complicit to obvious racist and immoral activity inside our party, he's saying Donald Trump. <laughs> but he didn't say yeah, Donald I mean, Trump. But, you know, right. that's, you know, and, and yeah. that's coming from a Republican now from Nebraska. Well, he doesn't dare mention the dear leader's name because being the petty man child Donald Trump is, he'll come after this poor guy on Twitter for, you know, being an adult. Um, and that's where we are. We have somebody in the White House who is so thin-skinned and just so insecure. And ultimately, for all his bluster and his fan base claiming how strong he is, Donald Trump is a really weak guy. And he knows it. So this is why he acts the way he does. He doesn't act like a decent, normal human being. You know, it's interesting. I've heard this argument. It was, it was one today. Peter King was a Republican representative out, out of New York. And, you know, also a Trump enabler, more or less, saying it was unfair to blame the president now because we didn't blame Obama for any of the mass shootings that happened while he was in office. We didn't blame George W. Bush. Somebody, you know, wrote back, the difference is, is neither President Bush nor Obama were not white nationalists. Yeah, and well, there's the difference. Donald well, Trump has, in, as we've already said, he has enabled the space. He has used it as a campaign tactic more or less talking constantly about invasions of immigrants there's footage of him laughing when he talks about what to do about it i believe this was in right. florida at one of his right. stupid rallies yeah, the so he screams out we should shoot them right. and he's chuckling but that's funny now only in the panhandle yeah yeah but that's funny and that's an insult to the people of that part of florida Frankly, even if I were a Trump supporter there, I wouldn't be too thrilled with that. Well, you know, and, and I can't imagine George, President Bush, for all his failings, he never acted like that. Well, well Reagan, and we, we just know we know that there's been some audio released of Reagan making racist comments. So I, I guess I should temper my remarks quite a bit here by saying I don't think President Reagan would say anything like this in person, although he certainly made comments. Yeah, last they, week they we heard. This right up. Yeah, last week yeah. we heard about what he said on Nixon's tapes about African Americans. Absolutely, right? and that was horrible. And his own daughter, I don't mean to go off on this, you know, Patty Reagan wrote in the Washington Post, you know, I I don't know who this is, and but it made drove her to tears. But I, normally presidents do not encourage this, even if they mean that are unseemly, and certainly we've had men like, apparently, President Reagan, Nixon, uh, but, you know, because whole views that are, are, you know, not American in that respect, in my opinion. Yeah. But they normally don't go public with it. Donald Trump has constantly made remarks over and over and over again that are racist, that are just blatantly, ins uh, blatantly insults to a, a large chunk of this country. It, it's, it, it's, you know, the Baltimore Sun, which you heard me quoting their editorial the other week about, Trump's comments about Baltimore, and, and that was a really hard-hitting piece. I, I, won't, I won't read any passages from it, but they basically said, you know, yeah, maybe he said some good things today, but you can't take him seriously. He's had 31 months to prove he cares about gun violence, and he has done nothing. He'll, he'll make comments like he did during this powwow with, you know, survivors of the Parkland shooting that you can't back down from the NRA. Well, guess who backed down from the NRA? He did. Right. So, I, again, you can't—Donald Trump is not a serious person okay. in any way, shape, or form. I, I frankly just 
I don't care what he says because it has no meaning. It has no credibility. I, I think most of America feels this way. I can't recall a time in my life, John, where you would have this reaction to, to a president like this. But it's happening because this is just who Donald Trump is. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of moved already into, um, you know, discussing, um, you know, how he's being enabled already. Um, or people are coming to his defense and saying that there's not really a connection. Um, and... Uh, so let's just continue to go there. And I, I want to start off, you know, I just gave you um, a little bit from a Nebraska Republican um, in what he said. Um, but I want to read what um, a uh, Republican from Ohio um, in the, uh, let's see, her name is, uh, this is again in the Dayton Daily News, uh, State Rep uh, Candace Keller from Middletown um, posted uh, to Facebook. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to read this yet, so I'm going to read it. Um, she's since pulled it down, but there's been screen caps. Um, and, um, I will also give you, um, what they have, uh, what the comments that she gave. Um, this is what she posted quote, after every mass shooting, the liberals start the blame game. Why not place the blame where it belongs? The breakdown of the tradition American family. Thank you, transgender, homosexual marriage, and drag queen advocates. Fatherlessness, a subject no one discusses or believes is relevant. The ignoring of violent video games. The relaxing of laws against criminals. Parentheses, open borders. The acceptance of recreational marijuana. Failed school policies. Hello, parents who defend misbehaving students. Disrespect to law enforcement. Thank you, Obama. Hatred of our veterans. Thank you, professional athletes who hate our flag and national anthem. The Dem Congress, many members whom are openly anti-Semitic. The culture, which totally ignores the importance of God and the church until they elect a president. State office holders who have no interest whatsoever in learning about our Constitution and the Second Amendment. And snowflakes who can't accept a duly elected president. Did I forget anybody? The list is long. And the fury will continue. End quote from Candace Keller, state rep, wow. Ohio. Yeah, I, I again, you're just gobsmacked that anybody like this is in office. And I, she's, she's complaining about family values and she's a Trump supporter. Oh, man. But the cognitive dissonance there. Yeah, we should you ask could, Tiffany you Trump. You drive a truck through it. Yeah, we should ask Tiffany Trump how she feels about fatherlessness. Uh, yeah, why don't you ask her, you know, if she's concerned about abortion, given Donald Trump's, you know, history with that, including going on Howard Stern and inferring once that he would have preferred his daughter Tiffany be aborted. I, I You know, again, these people, they have no ground on which to stand. They... If they support Trump, they need to shut the hell up forever about family values or much of anything else to do with American decency, because they obviously don't care about it. And I I, I just, you know, this is just somebody who wants to fan the flames of this. I I hope the the voters in her district just finally say in the next election, you know what, we're tired of this. Goodbye. And and find somebody with some decency to, to take this role, but be it another Republican or a Democrat. I or an independent, you know. I, I just, you, you, 
it, it just, you know, you shake your head at the profound ignorance and hatefulness of somebody like this. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I just you know, want to say, we didn't talk about this. Oh, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. no, please go ahead, Karen. I just, these are not the reasons for why these shootings are happening. And nor. Oh, it's not. It's, you know, it's, I will it's, be, I it's will, not transgender you know, issues. Really? <laughs> no, it's not Bill Clinton's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go, oh, yeah. Not, Bill Clinton. It's, it's, it's not George W. Bush's. It's not a mental illness. It's, you know, there are many factors involved here. I, you know, and I, you know, I, and there's no question again, Donald Trump certainly has not played a constructive role in any of this. Um, I mean, her comments are just simply ludicrous and they, they completely dodge the issue of what's really going on here. So, yeah, I, I, you I, know, you know, and, I, you know, she's getting a lot of, of, of criticism for this and she deserves that. Yeah. And, you know, she um, is co-sponsoring a bill with a, another state rep to force cities and school districts to cooperate with federal immigrants excuse me, with federal immigration authorities or risk losing Homeland Security funds. So we know where she was yeah, before the else, shooting. Yeah, I, I think we know. And something, I've got news for her. That's not going to cut down on mass shootings either. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, be, I mean, obviously she's at the far end of the spectrum. Um, you know, we talked about... Right, of course. Um, you know, we talked about the gentleman from Nebraska who's on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Senator McAllister, and hopefully... There's more like him who are, and also those who are willing to say anything, um, because you know, as 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 we've mentioned before, um, you know, politically, I am an independent and always will be. But it just makes it impossible to look at any other party, uh, or not even not to have the ability to look at any Republican with any credibility um, over the past uh, you know four years or so. Um, so, and that's heartbreaking. That really it is. is. And that's I mean, not you don't have a choice. I wish I had more choices. There was a time, I, you know, it was great when Arizona you allows you to re, you know, register as an independent so that you can pick the best people. But when people are willing to march in lockstep um, with things that they don't necessarily agree with, I can't vote for them. So, you know, that's no matter what their here. policy it's, it's, is. It's very disappointing. Yeah. And I uh, props to Senator McAllister, props to Justin Amash. Uh, you know, to the late John right. McCain, yeah. to others who have really, really taken or took stand against the Trumpification of the Republican Party. Yeah, and to the partial cowards like Jeff Flake and those others who want to retire instead yeah. of take it on. Um, you know, be a patriot, sir. That's that's the only thing I have to say. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, we were obviously on one end of the spectrum, as we mentioned, with, um, um, you know, the uh, uh, Keller in Ohio. Um, but... Um, uh, Kellyanne Conway is one of the you know most high, or the most high prof, high profile Republican to go on to major news today, and she was interviewed by Christiane Amanpour on CNN, um, and I'm sure she was on Fox as well. I just will not watch Fox. Um, it's for the same reason why I can't vote for a Republican right now, unfortunately. Um, but there was you know it was the normal day of spinning. Um, she spun everything. She tried to turn it into the Mueller report. She tried to turn it into the wall. She tried to turn it into drugs. She tried to turn it into everything else. When, especially she was asked, will the president continue to speak the same language he has in the past when he knows what it could be inspiring? And, and, and there was no taking, um, responsibility for what had been said at all. Um, and, you know, again, on the on on the uh, uh, webpage that we'll have this podcast on, a link to 
Um, hopefully you'll watch that YouTube video because it was it was really insightful. That interview, I think um, it shows that politics yeah. is still there. And um, before I turn it over to you, I wanted to say the reason why they also have to do this. There's no Trump's rhetoric in the past and his luring of this base has now painted him into a corner where he has no other way out. But he can't even if he wants come out and be that guy if he want if he had a crisis of conscience he could i guess if he really had that crisis of conscience but he, it's too late politically and he would never do it because he is who he is um right because he can't come out from it because his whole political plan between now and next october november was to be attacking those who are coming across the border attacking border cities attacking his attacking hispanics and and he is in a automatic lose situation if he continues that. I mean, the election was basically over for him when that guy walked into that store, whether he knows it or not, because he can't come out and, and continue to act this way. And and they know that they want to turn it now into anything else. They they'll you know want to talk about anything besides border issues, because now you look like you're attacking because he's done it for so long. It's it, you know you know I mean I hate to say it's over, but his whole unless he finds a something else to work on he doesn't have that as a flashpoint anymore well that's right and another minor thing to mention and actually i don't think it's that minor john when trump was giving his speech today when he ends it with god bless the memory of those who perished in texas and ohio actually at one point just mentioned toledo or toledo ohio rather than dayton mm-hmm. my god he doesn't even know, he couldn't even get it right. The city in a state he won by a comfortable margin. It just, it just tells you, again, he does not care. Yeah, well, you know, he was on a teleprompter, all. right? So when does he, how did Toledo get in there if he was reading off the teleprompter? I, or or, 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 or I, I, did the same thing happen with happened to the, to the presidential seal a week, week and a half ago? I mean... Was it that? Yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was just crazy. Again, there is no one in that administration anymore with an ounce of confidence, sincere intent, or trustworthiness. It is simply just a, it is the swamp that Donald Trump kept claiming he was going to drain. He is the swamp. The people around him are the swamp. It's just that simple. And it's why, again, nothing this man says has an ounce of credibility. That's, again, and I hate to say that about the person in the White House. You want to believe, even if you didn't vote for the man or the woman who is the president, that on some level, John, they mean well. Mm -hmm. You may not like everything they do, but you think, okay, their intentions are good. We don't have that anymore. That's what makes this such a scary and depressing time for this nation, because we have no one when tragedies like this occur, be they a mass shooting, a natural disaster, a type of foreign policy crisis. We have no one in the in the White House who can comfort us or give us any reason to hope that anything can get better. And that, that's what I've got to say on it. I, I just, Karen, you know, we don't have a president. That's it. Karen, we don't. Thank you so much for discussing these things with me today. I always appreciate our podcasts. Um, and, you know, I really know that our, our, our listeners do as well. 
Uh, they take things from it, and I know I do. Um, it's also just good to listen to it, talk to it, uh, talk about it. Um, you know, join us. On, uh, you know, leave some comments. We'll get back to you. Um, just you know, everyone, things will work out in the end. That's the only thing I got to say. Is sometimes it's hard to see it, but uh, things will come up again. Thank you, I agree everybody, with that. for joining us. I do, us. and <clears throat> thank you, John, and just to the people of Dayton and El Paso. I just want to say, I, you know, my heart goes out to both those cities and all the good people in them. My heart goes out to the families of the victims. But, you know, we've seen the courage and the kindness and the empathy coming from both of these communities, and that certainly does give you, that does give you reasons for hope. It really does. Thanks again, Karen. We'll talk to everybody next week. All right. Thank you, everybody.